get your smoke on, I get your chill on. Let's get these conversations on. Crawling on moms and anybody who's living life. The Pop Moms Podcast is here. Mental health. Oh my, this is quite the Pandora's box. It is. It really is. Yeah, and you know, we will certainly we will certainly come back to this topic over and over again. Obviously, the breadth of which could be covered in many an episode, but I think it's important to build some context to all of those mental health chats we plan on having with some of our foundations in mental health. Yeah. And I'm happy to dive in in mine if you want to floor is yours. Uh, so I would say, you know, it's hard. I'm going to do my best to recall all of the like timing, but let's just say like I had a pretty chaotic, um, not, you know, I was like, I had like a lovely youth, right. But like from basically 12 to 21, you know, or like maybe 12 to 18. Right. Because once I went to college, like I was, you know, my life was in control. Clearly I just, whatever. Anyways, but let's say like 12 to 21, I was seeing a professional of some kind at all times, whether that was a psychiatrist, a therapist, a counselor, an energy worker, which by the way, was like the actual most transformative for me as a youth, but all of them were beneficial in different ways. I was diagnosed with ADHD, you know, probably by like 17 educators before I was ever officially diagnosed by a mental health professional. What did they say? This is interesting too, because it's often the people at school who see us most frequently, what were some of the words that they used to like describe you? Oh my God. Well, too much rings a bell, you know, social butterfly. (laughs) Yeah. There was a lot of the, she, the care, like very charismatic, very social, but you know, ultimately like oppositional defiant was thrown around. I mean, loud, I, you know, so many of these skills that I look back on, I was like, yeah, I was a leader. I, but center of attention, right? Like attention seeking behavior, all of these ver, you know, um, adjectives around social nature, but in a negative way, like that I was just a distraction ultimately, you yeah. know, I was a distraction to people. And, um, I think that, I was academically able to, you know, at the time that I was going down this mental journey, like I was also in sophomore high school math when I was in eighth grade or whatever. So I was like always ahead in my studies, but socially very unable to be controlled, which is really what now when I look back on it was the foundations of all of this, which is like, I never wanted to do anything that somebody else told me I had to do which I am now getting to experience the joy of parenting a child with similar tendencies. And he's only two. And, you know, we'll see. Hopefully I chose my partner well so that they have, he has some balance there. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch that in somebody else because I think for me, you know, it's it's one of the places where I come back to a lot with my mom of like, thank God for not, thank God for you for not giving up on me and being willing to keep trying when I was just so resistant to any structure that wasn't a structure that I created. And I'm trying to remember, you know, again, like age of diagnosis had to be somewhere between 12 to 15. Um, at, you know, in my later high school years, there was depression thrown in there. Uh, anxiety was never really discussed until I was older. That like wasn't part of it. And it's I, a fun new thing for us. It's a fun new thing for me as an adult. Um, But I was also for a time diagnosed bipolar 2 and took medication for that. I took like Lamictal, Lamotrigine. I mean, I took 
so many different kinds of medication and we can get into all that as well. Concerta, Vyvanse, Adderall, Adderall XR, um, you know, depression medications, whatever. The bipolar 2 diagnosis, the professionals that I've seen later in my life have all said they think that was just a, that was just a labeling of a really boisterous kid. You know, yeah. a kid who was going through puberty Feeling a lot of deep feelings. Like, I'm a very deep feeling person. Totally. I feel things way too much. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as feeling things too is much, it, though. I think once it's, like, detrimental to... I'm sorry. You're right. Feeling things too much is not the part that's detrimental. How you allow it to manifest in yourself is where it becomes detrimental. Preach. And I do think that that is another reason. You know, cannabis for me is, like, a neutralizer in that when I'm feeling too deeply, it allows me to, like, come back to... I mean you know, for lack of a better flowery way to describe this, to, like, giving less fucks. Yeah, where you're totally. just like, oh, my God. Yeah, where, I'm, you know, I often, like, think to the the Glennon Doyle metaphor of that us deep feel, deeply feeling people are, like, canaries in the coal mine, and we're not crazy. Like, everything around us requires this intensity of emotion, and yet society, like, wants us to swallow it down and not say anything, and... You know, I'm just here yelling from a mountaintop. Everything is fucked up and I don't think this is great. <laughs> that was kind of me in school where I was like, this doesn't make sense for everybody. This is like, I'm learning things that are not applicable to my life. I was just, I mean, everywhere I've gone in my life, I've been like fighting the authority and the structure, which many people label as ADHD. You know, they're like, oh, this yep. kid, she's not fitting in. She can't sit still. She can't do this. And I'm like, yeah, because it doesn't make sense for my brain type well, to sit still. because schools cater to... Neuro normal, neurotypical, yeah, people, neurotypical people, right? Not neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. So, like the way that, and and I don't, I don't know the fix. I don't. I think the fix is very hard to be able to cater to all because even totally. ADHD, ADD, non ADD, like neurotypical versus you know neurodivergent, yeah. like there's still different ways to learn in that too. Totally. So oh God, I yeah. get that it's tough, but yeah. I agree with you that it's not catering towards people who don't think things normally. Yeah. And I do, you know, and I'm hoping that we are about to see, I think COVID really illuminated all that, right? You put all these kids at home, then you are really confronted with the differences in learning styles because you don't have everybody there. I think for a long time, I mean, like truly you can look at research. There's like decades, if not, you know, a hundred years of people being like, does this education system actually make sense in, you know, the way in which society operates? What I think makes obviously more sense and hopefully we're going to see a lot more of in these next coming years is curiosity driven learning, Yeah, which is where I thrived ultimately, which is why in college, towards the end of my college years, like I was the fucking textbook picturesque student. I had amazing grades. Because it hit your dopamine receptors. Well, yeah, because I was learning about abnormal psychology, which I was yeah. so fascinated in because I had spent all these years being told that I was dysfunctional, that something was wrong with me. You know, and that is, oh my God, I hope I can save Leon from that same thing. You know, I don't, I mean, who knows what his, you know, brain makeup will be because I think that Trevor is relatively neurotypical, right? He's, you know, I mean, everybody has everything on a spectrum a range, and some, right. right, a range. But I would say that Trevor was like a very good traditional student or he did well in school. <laughs> his mom might listen to this and be like, well, let's discuss it. Uh, but you know what I mean? And so I think... We'll see what happens, but I hope that I can save, you know, people listening, anybody, like other kids in the world, save them from being labeled as like problematic because for me, I really latched on to that 
as an excuse to fuck up. I was like, oh, everybody says I'm fucked up, so might as well just like smoke Halloween and not pay attention. You know, which I only realized later when this energy worker was like, stop fucking comparing yourself to your dad and all this past whatever, all this baggage, because don't you see how that's just an excuse for you to not Comparison, be... Comparing is, is, is a toxic thing, yeah. for sure. And I grew up with the comparative narrative, I'll call yeah. it. And so that is in its own way. But, like, to your point, like, so I went in the opposite way. Like, you went towards, like, the I'm going to use it, like, don't give a fuck. And I was like, oh, no, I have to, like, continue to try harder. Yeah. And so, like, that, like, just in contrast being a hard thing for me to do and then like my label was uh, the one that haunts me right was like a diamond in the rough so it's like no matter where you could never be the diamond you know what I mean and it was so damning and I was like oh my god I mean soccer coaches and like I went up all the way through Olympic development so like fuck you yeah girl. you know what I mean so it's just like it's it's interesting to me to then hear you know what I mean how people take those things like you're told you're different and totally. that's so hard at like that age because it is, it's like right at like 10, 12, like where all of a sudden things become different or you can't like BS your way through something. Yeah. Well, and all these traits that, you know, still to this day, I think there's some stigma around women carrying these traits that we deem as successful in men that with women we stigmatize and you're like, you're too much, you're too loud, you're, you're too bitchy. many ideas. Like, yeah, you're being a bitch. You're like, like, oh, you're, congrats on your directness. Mister. I know. You're like, wow, you're really setting great boundaries, sir. Ma'am, you need to fucking lighten up, okay? Yeah. Let us walk all over you, please. Then thanks. But, you know, all of that where I think that stuff is shifting and the public discourse on all of those things is shifting and hopefully that, you know, the conversation around mental health, all of that is also shifting. And I am so excited to see, like, when Gen Z is in charge of society, how different the conversation will be around education yeah. and around all these mental health things. Also, you know, when you bring up you playing soccer, I think so much now about exercises impact in mental health. Because now as an adult, like I tell everybody in my life, you know, 85% of your problems will be fixed by good sleep, active exercise and a good diet. Yeah. And people don't want to hear that because, but because it's, it's hard because yeah, it's hard. It's, 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 it's hard. hard. Like what we got up for a fucking 6am yoga class this morning. Right. Which means like, I mean, that was my however many day in a row of getting yeah. up for something to do at 6am. So it's like, yeah, you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head and it's something about just getting like, especially I will say like with my experience with ADHD is being able to get out there and just like let some of it out, totally. whether it be through movement or cardio, like cardio, like, you know, whatever, More like rigorous exercise. Yeah, totally. I know. And so I think there's that too. Like I, you know, I played a lot of sports, but then there was like a tipping point where this mental health thing like got in the way of my sports performance. And that was also weed came into my life right then. There was this like crossroads of all of these things where Everybody was telling me I was problematic and had all these issues. I was trying to maintain, like, a member of these team sports, but, like, my head wasn't in it because I was like, I don't want to fucking play these sports, ultimately. You know, I'm not devoted to these athletics the way that, like, other team members might have been, people who wanted scholarships. Like, I'm a very gangly... I was tall, so I was kind of good at sports, but, like, very gangly, not super coordinated, mostly was just playing sports to, like, impress dudes and see them on the sideline in their sports, whatever, you know, so... Were you boy crazy? I was soups boy crazy. I was really, really boy crazy, too. Yeah. But, like, the low-key. They call like, it... Like, they would never know, but, yeah. like... I, I feel mean, like inside of my brain, I'm like Tina from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> okay. I mean, mine, you know, another term for it would be daddy issues where 
my father, bless him, love that guy to death, but like he existed in his own universe still to this day, ultimately. And he was busy working, right? For the longest time, he was out, uh, you know, working for Microsoft. So he was very busy, not home a lot. That guy likes to party too. My mom low key loved it because she was an introvert. So she was like, you GTFO, sir, I'm going to raise these children exactly how I want to while you continue to provide for me so I can give them the life I want. So they had this like lovely arrangement that worked out. So my dad was just kind of like doing his own thing. And then of course I have all of this messaging that you are your dad, like your oh, baby Rick, oh, little Rick. Meanwhile, everybody's talking about my dad being this like wild exuberant party animal somewhere. Again, feeding into this narrative of like, well, I'm destined to rage. I guess, <laughs> I guess oh my I got destined to rage. I yeah, love that. So, you know, and be successful. Mind yeah. you, that messaging was like, yeah, I'm going to just party my ass off, but also be successful, which ultimately, hello guys, here I am. <laughs> it's party and successful. It worked out. But, you know, so all of this, to say that I was constantly trying to fill this void of my dad being gone, or that's how I look at it now, like based on the type of men that I was attracted to and boy crazy over, it was these people that were like totally consumed in their own thing, like barely had a minute for me, but like the minute they would give me their attention, I was like, ooh, more please, more please, dopamine hit. Like, oh, and I saw them, you know, I saw this like kind of dismissive not egotistical per se, because I wouldn't really describe my dad. Self-involved. Well, yeah, self-involved. You're right, actually. he. Was, I was like, I wouldn't describe my dad like that, but the way I think about it. Not like in a derogatory way, but he's very full of it. Very confident, if you will. But um, see, that's the difference. Is like, how would you label that as a man that's a successful trait? And with a woman, then... Oh my God, great. <laughs> Hit that on the nose, sis. Didn't you? Um, but yeah, so I was trying to fill that like male attention. You know, I had no brothers. I had, was the youngest of three girls. My mom was the primary in our household. And so, and like, and that actually rang true on my, so my dad's side, all the cousins were girls on my mom's side. There's 14 cousins, 12 of them are women. The other two are men. The one that I was like super close to that was a guy uh, had like a horrible accident in college and not that we were like super, I don't know, in my mind as a youth, I remember us being so close and maybe that was literally just like at our family reunion once a year, but it seemed very formative to me where again, I was like, so I, always chasing male energy and trying to like fill that void and have male energy in my life. So long story long, boy crazy for sure. And I think that also was like, you know, I focused all of my energy on if I can get some man to pick me, then maybe I'm like not dysfunctional and totally. maybe nothing's wrong with me. And if, you know, always just like looking for a sidekick too. I like wanted a partner to, well, and because of our messaging, you get all this messaging that your value is in somebody choosing you. Right. Anyhow. So yeah, I think back sometimes actually, I hold a lot of resentment towards this, you know, uh, a guy would have to come up with a name for him too. Let's call him Chad. Chad. Fucking Chad. Chad and I, I, he, long story, but you know, we started this saga when I was 11 years old and I think the last time we hooked up, I was, you know, summer after senior year of high school. So it like went on for a very long time. A lot of time during your youth. Yeah. And like so formative and I constantly think like, oh my God, if I had just not given a fuck about Chad, what else might I have done with my life to like focus on myself? Like what... You know, I spend so much energy like, how can I appease this person? Or like, what can I do to make myself more desirable or likable for them as well, opposed to for me? we're taught that. I mean, like, totally. that was like, I mean, growing up in the Midwest, that was like... That's the message. That's it. The message is like, how can you accommodate others at the expense of yourself to make them happy? Because if they're happy, you're happy. And like, right? you know what I mean? Going through that for so long and then being like, 
fuck no. I am not happy if they're happy. Yeah. I am very unhappy because I am not being any iota true to myself. Totally. Oh my gosh. I know. And uh, just like want to pull all my energy back that I expended on so many people throughout my life in the like quest to appease men instead of figure out what I wanted and needed. Yep. And I do think that because of like my ability to brazenly charge forwards regardless of a filter and whatever, like compartmentalize. Yeah. So like I do still think I ended up doing a lot of things that I wanted to do, which was great. And I still made it to a trajectory that I feel so happy with and fulfilled with. And I'm like very lucky on all the things. Uh, but like no fucking wonder my mental health was a mess. Right. I was like living for other people. I was desperately trying to like get people to, you know, validate me. Yep. And wasn't, I had no curiosity driven learning per se, where you're like finding a passion and pursuing it. I did find photography in high school and I think that was huge. I missed the dark room. Oh my gosh. You know, we didn't, did we even do, uh, I did dark room in college, but I don't think I did any dark room. I think I only did digital photography in high school. I did now that I think about it. Um, I used an old Minolta. Wow. Fun. My God. I love that for you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I mean, gosh, can't stress this enough, guys. The arts are just so important for, like, allowing kids to explore their own self. Oh, my God, but they're just disappearing. I know. It's so sad. It's gone. I mean, like, even when I tell my kids that I used to have, like, an art and a music class, I mean, you would go to those, like, every day. Yeah. And, like, nope. Really? Yeah. No, they have scheduled weeks where they have one, and I I believe that the art teacher is the music teacher. Oh, Like, until you get to, like, fifth grade and you band. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's not a focus at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Ugh. I think that's just dangerous because. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so necessary. A, you yeah. can't, and you, but I think the problem is with how school has turned out right now is that, um, it, you can't test it. You can't say it, it's good or not. You know what yeah. I mean? You can't say like pass fail. Like, I don't Gosh, know. That's so frustrating just because art's subjective that we like, get it out of here when exactly. really like all of life is subjective. And I we know. You know, and as the type of person that I am, like very right brained, very creatively oriented, the, you know, another reason why like regular school was hard for me, because even back when it was primary to be doing art and music, you know, I played piano all through school. I took piano classes. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, and I almost did the violin and then I, what did I end up doing? Oh, because, because I, boy crazy again, I wanted to chase Chad to band. So then I switched to the fucking clarinet so that I could. Oh, gross. gross. Just kidding. I'm I just mean, kidding. I mean, okay, if but you play the clarinet, that's amazing. Yeah, it's not you're my amazing. wheelhouse. I was saying it was gross for me to give up. I wanted to play the violin. I was obsessed with string instruments. And later in college, I was like obsessed with bluegrass and all of this stuff. I was like, why didn't I fucking play the fiddle? That would have been amazing. But you know what? I didn't fucking Chad because he was in band and I was like, I want to be in band. So I'm going to play the clarinet. And here we fucking go. And, you know, I was pretty bad. (laughs) But it was part of the deal. And even then, I felt like I was doing a disproportionate number of, you know, academics that were unrelated to my goals and dreams, which were to rage and be successful, as you heard previously. (laughs) Right. They don't teach raging in high school. You, you got to really learn it on the, uh, on the off. <laughs> can, can you fucking believe just like of things they don't teach in high school? Like the fact that they teach you nothing about doing your taxes or yes. like budgeting, you know, bare bones, budgeting, understanding how to exist as a human being, paying bills. Like, come on guys. I will give a shout out to the West Dallas, West Milwaukee school district. Yes. West in Dallas. third grade. 
We had checkbooks. We balanced checkbooks. We what? looked in a newspaper to find a place to live, to find a car. We had the option to get married and combine incomes. Like it was like an entire, like I would say trimester of like that, which is oh. wonderful, but like third, third grade. grade? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but like, but interesting how it set a foundation at a time when our brains were ready for it. Totally. And like, I only know how to do that because I only know how to balance a checkbook. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, like I had this experience, right? Would I have loved to that have been something where we every single year taught us something new? Like, what's the good cadence to do doctor appointments? You know what I mean? Like all that shit. Like how to automate like the mundane shit that people who have ADHD have a hard as fuck time doing. I mean, truly everybody has a hard time doing that because you only learn it from parents, really. Or in my experience anyways. Like nobody in, as far as I remember. And, you know, even like home ec. Home ec was knitting and cooking you know it was like okay these basic things that honestly you're like you can learn that shit anywhere what i need to learn in home ec is how to balance the you know chores amongst household members and how to save for retirement like there's so many things that i feel like would have been so much more applicable guys you know my sister and i talked once upon a time about like an adulting 101 for lack of a better name concept that you could market and take into schools where you just like do a fun crash course day and all of that stuff so that you're sparking the interest or just like sparking the knowledge of like these are the things you're going to need to know you know our mom is an accountant I was like this bitch could get in there do some like basic accounting really it could have been a family enterprise guys it's still not too late okay I'm just trademarked but you know something where you go in and you're just like hey guys this is all the shit that you really need to know that we wish we had learned We're going to cover a few of these things today in like a fun, playful way. And then ideally, you're going to go talk to your parents, your educators, your tutor, your like whoever. Go into somebody's office hours. Ask them. Really, what you need to do is pick somebody whose life you think is epic and like figure out how to access them and ask them questions or whatever. But like go on your own and explore these tangents and try to figure these things out before you get to college and you're drowning and wondering how the fuck to exist. Well, and I mean, but also like sometimes depending on people where they're coming from, from a home perspective, you know what I mean? Like that's not there. Cause it, you, you said it before, like we find out how to manage a household, so to speak from what we experience directly. So if you yeah. don't have an experience to pull from, it's even scarier. Oh my gosh. Right. hundred percent. And like, that is sadly so many more people than, yep. I mean, in America today, that is like the majority right we're like I mean it's not the majority but the we should get some stats on this but like the number of people in America at the poverty line where your parents are working so they're just like desperately working trying to get by you're in school watching this happen so like yeah maybe you're learning work ethic but you know it's probably not these people's strong suit to be saving and balancing budgets and all these things if they're existing on the poverty line and that can be from a host of reasons but whatever you end up with this huge influx of people coming out of school with basically no literal tangible life skills no applicable knowledge yeah which is so fucking hard and then you wonder why we've got a mental health crisis guys full circle oh my god full circle i know and teens today you know i wanted so badly to feel like no kids are gonna have to go through what we went through right and our parents probably think the same we're like oh it was harder in our days you know everybody thinks it's harder but the t- the kids today have this whole new breadth of trauma from cyber, online. yeah, like yeah. online existences. And this apathy that, you know, again, when I'm photographing these high school seniors and they 
are trying to decide if they should take on an like insurmountable num- amount of debt yep. for college or skip college and hope they can make a living in a gig economy. But mind you, I've done that being self-employed, self-employment tax, paying for your own health insurance. It's a goddamn fucking nightmare. It's but it's so hard expensive. to navigate too. That's the hardest yeah. part too. It's like, even if you want to do that, if you're identifying in college that that's the route that you want to go or in, in high school rather, like yeah. being able to have like trade brought into high school would be such totally. a huge thing because then you do have a shot at making it your career for your life because you have the foundations of not only the trade, but then how to go ahead and run a business too. Yeah, 100%. I know and I you know I hope that more kids are getting into technical schools and again I do think that that's kind of where we're heading like more curiosity driven learning we have a lot more people that are choosing to forego a higher education because ultimately we're seeing that unless you want to go in like a corporate sphere where a degree is critical it's not essential and the debt outweighs you know the benefits for many people many Americans Oh my gosh, you know, we should just all go to Europe where we can educate our children for free and I know, that's live my without angle. pesticides. That's my angle with my children having dual citizenship. Oh my gosh, I love <laughs> that for you. Wait, where is their dual citizenship? Uh, Luxembourg. Bitch, what? Oh yep. my god. You guys get over there now. What are you yep. up to? That's I know. Incredible. I know. It's tempting. It's definitely yeah. tempting. Uh, well, keep it in your back pocket. Little known fact, I launched the first episode from this podcast from Luxembourg. It <gasps> oh fucked up like god. everything I was connected to because it thought I was in Luxembourg from like there on out. No. Well, you're but that's okay. You're a global ass bitch. I love yeah. that for you. Totally. You guys were cultured, man. Cultured as fuck. Yeah. Our dysfunctions and our mental health did not hold us back. No, okay? not at all. Um, and, you know, and it's such a gift. I mean, really, that is the thing is that if you reframe, you know, yes, it made it harder for me to get through the neurotypical scholastic angle, whatever. Uh, but the skills, like the personality traits that I have that people label ADHD, right? Like the where my brain bounces all over the place to different subjects, but I can recall information from all different areas. And we and, talk fast. Well, yeah. If you haven't noticed. I can, I can communicate very You won't have to 1.5x this podcast <laughs> any longer. Exactly <laughs> right. I know. That is the one thing about the speed with which we talk is the people who are used to having fast, they're like, well, this is already fast. We need yeah. to, yikes. Um, but you know, those are the skills that I would say make me an incredible entrepreneur yeah. right? and like a global citizen where I can be dropped into any culture and immediately immerse myself and get very excited about learning and proceed with curiosity and you know what some people call ADHD, other people call an enthusiast on the Enneagram, you know? Right. So exactly. It's, just, it's all about how you label things and how you use them to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this conversation can be one of those things that somebody can take a nugget from to use to their advantage to feel less alone in their journey in mental health. Because I think that's the biggest thing is like when you feel alone, those feelings increase in intensity, right? Oh my gosh, 100%. So if you can find commonality with other people, and I mean, that's one good thing that has come from the internet. Totally. Right? I mean, there's many forums, like I'm part of a ADHD women's forum on Facebook where, you know, it's just, it's nice. It's not something I maybe seek out, but it's something that when I come across posts, they're very grounding in normalizing things that I feel are different about me or things that I've been told are different about me. 100%. And I think I have had, you know, always coming back to shame here where like the shame of my journey with my mental health has kept me from sharing honestly with people about it. 
And now I look back at, there's so many points in my story that would be so helpful to people who are trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, for literally years, I was like terrified to tell people that I had ever been diagnosed Because bipolar. it was seen as a weakness. It was seen as a flaw. Mm-hmm. It was seen as like, I think that's maybe one of the only favors that the pandemic did is it made us realize that we all have mental health issues. Totally. It doesn't discriminate everyone as fucking put together as you can seem on Instagram or face to face. Like yeah. everyone has something going on. And I think like for me personally, like within my community of moms, whether it's from gymnastics, from school, from jujitsu, like wherever it is being like, no, this is my life is fucked up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Being totally. like, no, like we're doing it. We're fine. Yeah. You know, but like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's highly relatable. Right. (laughs) You know, like, I think my neighbor said something to me of, like, how we had been getting by with one car. um, And I was like, I mean, it's nothing more than, like, total, like, a total circus. Yeah. You know, like, no, it wasn't easy. Like, it's just. Baby juggling. Right. Yeah. Hope you guys have a nice fleet of bicycles. Yes. Yeah. We do. So many bikes. So We've got race bikes. We've got road bikes. We've got, yeah. We're we're covered bikes uh well yeah you know i it is a juggling act and i think being able to honestly tell people where you're at and not worry about how they're going to perceive it or what they're going to take from it and just knowing and trusting that someone this will help you know there is somebody out there who like me sharing that i was boy crazy in high school because and like wasn't but whatever all of this stuff that like someone's like oh my god that's me oh my god my dad was totally doing his own thing that is why i was so obsessed with chad no fucking way you know (laughs) fucking chad and you're like fucking chad i mean still to this day too chad it's like instagram story will come up and i feel like a little flutter in my chest and i'm like god fucking damn it chad like how do you have any power over me still to this day like oh my god but, you know, that it is those, that formative messaging, all of the things that, you know, ultimately also make women feel like, you know, they say, like, you're going to college to get your MRS. There was all of that. I hope people aren't still saying that today. To I, like, you. so disengaged with, like, that aspect of it. Like, yeah. I think my mom told me about the birds and the bees, and I was like, but do you have to be married? You know, yeah. Because like, I was like, that was like, because, like, that sounds great, but, like, marriage, uh, not so much, you yeah. know? And it was, like, you know, very much... Not wanting to only exist to get married. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I always said I wasn't going to get married or like, you know, marriage wasn't going to be for me, whatever, which now I look back as like a trauma response to feeling unchoosable. Totally. Where I was, you know, chasing after whatever respective number of chads and all of them were not fucking into me and were like, oh yeah, we'll give you our attention occasionally when, you know, when there's no one else better. But ultimately there's always someone better at the end of the day. And so there was a time where I was just like, oh, marriage isn't going to be for me. I'm not going to be doing that. Like in inner child cries because nobody wants to marry me, you know? And now, of course, as a happily married gal, you're just like, it is so toxic to be spending your life like seeking the approval of other people for a societal message that like, let's be honest, we're looking at the success of marriage, it's not great for many people, you know? But, like, even better that we're embracing it not being great and getting out of it. Yeah, That's, totally. like, my big thing is, like, guess what? It's a piece of paper. And guess oh what? You gosh. can get another piece of paper that makes that first piece of paper go, go away. away. <laughs> oh you know? God, know? And so it's, like, versus, like, you know, people staying in unhappy marriages just because, uh-huh. you know, I mean, I remember I told I told my mom that, this person that I knew had cheated on my friend who was their fiance 
prior to their wedding. And her response, like, that was when I was like, that's like the screaming from the rooftop, right? Where I'm like, something's wrong here. She's like, well, you know, like, guys really have to just make sure that they sow their seed before. And I was like, I'm sorry, fucking come again one more fucking time. (laughs) Like, I was like, that's the response to me being like, this shithead cheated on my fucking awesome ass friend. Because I know how awesome this fucking friend is. Oh, my God. The normalizing of men just, like, betraying women. And then a woman is like, right, right. And then it's a hussy or it's like it's just it's women cheating versus men cheating like men it's like well I mean he didn't get out of his system or like fuck that shit yeah like fine feel however you want to feel about cheating like my I think it's like and I'm saying it as like a former like cheater like cowardice like it's just not wanting to address a situation if you want to fuck other people don't be married or dating. Exactly right. Or have it be a, co- have it be a, com- like, have the balls to have say the that's balls what to you're say thinking it. about. Have yeah. the balls to, like, break up with the person, tell them I'm not fucking into you, oh and go gosh. fuck somebody else, because yeah. that's okay. It's when it's, like, from a coward's perspective of not wanting to have the conversation, and mine was ultimately rooted, like, in high school and college in not wanting to let down the other person I was trying to appease, right? Totally. So there oh was gosh. that whole, that whole, you know, bit to unpack there, but... yeah. Everyone's got something. Yeah, totally. Well, and that reminds me, speaking of, you know, tell me, what when were you diagnosed with ADHD? I was diagnosed with ADHD, I which, which I wanted to revisit because you, it sounds like, had a really good supportive system of, like, exploring your mental health and, like, finding that out versus, I like, I did it on my own. Uh, like, I had to, I waited until I was, what, like, 16 to go ahead and then seek out a doctor. I, like, like essentially stole my parents' Uh, insurance card so I could go ahead and use it to be seen by a doctor got the diagnosis after a fucking conversation because he was like you're absolutely ADHD yeah but I think my point on that is like it's nice to see and maybe it's part of where we live in the country right we're very progressive here like some of the touchy-feely things are more to forefront and we can't say that for the rest of the United States I mean we have a like anyone who's saying that they don't want drag shows to fucking exist have never been to a drag show because that mm-hmm. shit is like fucking a rain. It's like it's like a parting on a rainbow. Okay, we were watching The Lion King yesterday, and the moment where Timon and Pumbaa come out, they're like, "What am I gonna do? Dress and drag and distract them?" And then literally Timon comes out dancing in a hula outfit. Oh, nobody's trying to ban The Lion King. And now that I said it, somebody's gonna fucking bring that up I this know. week. But you're like, you guys. I mean. They are just flagrant distractors of the real issues so that they can keep people. But just say not... you're not comfortable with it. I know. There's so just much more nobility. Words. There's yeah. so much more nobility in just being like, okay, I don't know how to feel about this and it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Instead of saying it's dangerous, which you're like, it's not dangerous. It's only dangerous I'm to like, you. I'm like, it's dangerous because obviously... I don't know how to do my makeup as well as these beautiful, beautiful <laughs> drag queens. And like, I'm like, I just, I, you know what I mean? Like, oh it's like, it, I never, and, and like, again, how can something that someone feels so uncomfortable about impact, like, then if you don't want, don't go to a drag show, don't do drag yourself. Those should be yeah. your only two fucking options. Exactly you right. You should not, based off of your own insecurities, which is what it's all fucking rooted in, which is what so much of, like, the no. shitty ass, like, I'm not even going to say conservative, the shitty ass, like, nature of not wanting people to be themselves. Yeah. But the ramifications of mental health in that space is, like, what's terrifying. Because we're told we're different, right? Everyone's different. Like, let's just call a spade a spade here. But, like, to be told that you can't be who you feel like you are, like... Insane. 
Yeah. Well, and that, again, like, comes back to this place of messaging where I'm really hoping that we're going to have this generation coming up that has not received that. I mean, they obviously are because half those fucking assholes. But it's not half the country. We know it's not half the country. But, yeah, like, getting in front of this idea that, like, it's shameful or wrong to be anything or whatever. It's like, those kids, too. I mean, they are also kids inner children that were told they couldn't be what they wanted to be. These people are so afraid of who they are Because inside. it's coward. It com- all comes back to it. Because they've been told that who they are is wrong or yeah. bad or whatever and the way that has manifested for them is like instead of running away to be an artist who smokes weed so that they can like live into their dysfunction and figure out how to still thrive in the earth. Because it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Like here's the thing, like we talk about, you know, like how our impact and our trauma, you know, we didn't figure it out in our teens. We didn't figure it out in our 20s or late 20s, 30s, whatever it is. You're going to have to figure it out eventually or like I kind of think your life is a waste. Or you're going to become a congressperson pushing legislation on other people (laughs) to also not be allowed to be themselves because you're upset that you don't get to be yourself. But just start being yourself and deal with like, deal with it. Deal with it, you guys. And ultimately, that's the moral of this fucking story is that finding alignment within yourself Tuning out the noise outside of you. Every fucking educator who told me I was too much, too loud, too this, You're too like, that. You're like, I am. And I am and. Sorry you weren't able to be either. Yeah. You know, it's like coming back to that place where you just have to trust that you are exactly where you need to be. You are exactly who you are supposed to be. If you're a religious person, God made you exactly how you fucking are. You know, the universe, whatever you want to say. A spiritual person, it's like... You are you for a fucking reason and you better go live in that life so that the rest of the world can reap the benefits of those gifts. Yep. And talk about it because there's where the commonality and that's where the community comes in and that's what normalizes it. Exactly, you guys. We're here to be that safe space for you and hold you in your mental health journey. So that's a little bit about some of our passions within mental health. Like we said, you're going to hear this as a common thread in honestly... A lot. Most episodes, yeah. probably. I mean, because it is. It's at the forefront. We both have been on different journeys. We're excited to share that with you. If you have anything to share with us, you know what to do. You Pod can Moms Podcast at gmail.com, you guys. It. We'd Just love to Just killing hear from it. You. She's new, but she's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been a pleasure, per usual. Now, get out there and be somebody. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.